Okay, <clears throat> it is Palm Sunday, and um, there's been a phrase <clears throat> recently raised by grieving students from Florida, um, and there was, of course, a march yesterday in Washington and many other cities in the world about how to protect kids in school. But the phrase that I saw, I saw this girl, I heard this girl say was, sending thoughts and prayers is not enough. Sending thoughts and prayers is not enough because that was the response of the nation to the grief that they were feeling is how do you're sending thoughts and prayers? What does that even mean? Um, and it made me think, I wonder what these students believe about prayer. And, and what do people mean when they say they're sending prayer? And I know it's a pass it that way too. It's probably for lack of any other words to say, people would say that. But then it, it really made me think, well, what do I believe about prayer? What do I really believe about prayer? So today is the day we remember Jesus entering Jerusalem, and, and Jason has, has, has so well led us into that already. And he came to the cross to fulfill the Father's, Father's plan. If you go and read that week, Jesus' life, he prayed a lot. He prayed that high priestly prayer in the upper room. And he prayed in agony in the garden. And, he, and he, he taught his disciples a lot about prayer that week. He gave them some final instructions about prayer. He was getting ready to leave them. And he was giving them final instructions about prayer. Now, growing up, I recall hearing instructions on prayer making me feel one of two ways. <laughs> this pastor is making me feel guilty because my prayer life is so poor is one thought that I had. My second thought is, well, if prayer is so important, then why are we sitting here hearing this man talk or reading books about it? Why aren't we praying? You know, maybe there's a thousand other ways you can respond to a message on prayer. Maybe you've had thoughts like this, too. Or maybe you've got prayer all figured out. Then we'll trade places. But those students, they have many unanswered questions about prayer like does prayer do anything at all and another question might be if God is in control and everything works according to his plan then why does he command us to ask him to do what he is already planning to do if you did that with your spouse every day they would likely get very annoyed with you, you know, they're already planning to do this you ask them to do it anyway and they, they hey I got this you know but God's ways are not our ways. They're higher than our ways. And what I want to explore today is, is what did Jesus say to us about prayer? What, is he, what was he teaching us about prayer? For I'm, I'm learning that God ordained prayer to be one of the ways we can relate to him. We can relate to God in prayer. Because in the final analysis, prayer is not about getting results from God. It's about enjoying a relationship with God. Is he worthy? To have relationship with him. He wants us to interact with him. To know him. To trust him. And to experience him in all of our ways. He invites us to join with him in an acting role. In his plan of redemption for this world. But prayer is so personal. And intimate. It includes worship. 
praising God for who he is and thanking him for what he's done and it includes supplication when we pour out our heart to him. And it includes requests, asking to meet and to act to meet our needs or intercession to meet somebody else's needs. Remarkably, the Bible seems to presume that faithful prayer always matters to God. The Bible shares examples like in Exodus 3, 7 and 8. It says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. God's saying, I heard your prayer. The Bible makes assertions. In James 4, 2, James writes, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And then he, one chapter later, in 5.16, he says, Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it is working. The Bible gives commands about prayer. Ephesians 6.18 Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. You know all these verses already. And the Bible makes many promises regarding prayer. We should all agree that prayer is amazing. It's amazing. It's an amazing gift. But in spite of the availability of this gift, relatively few people invest consistent time and energy praying. We all have our reasons for this. But perhaps the main reason, the main issue, is that we not see God answering our prayers as often as we would like. For most of us, our greatest single motivation to pray is to see our prayers answered. To the extent that we see only a few requests answered, we tend to pray less. Does anyone disagree with me? Can we decide today to pray more and to pray better? To the one who is worthy. Think about this. In prayer, we have direct access to God. To every promise he gave us. So that he can provide everything we need to do what he wants. When we ask and receive from him. Many times before going to the gateway prayer meeting on Wednesdays. I I realize I need more wood on the fire of faith in my heart. So I search the scripture Defeat for scripture to feed the fire. Recently I was challenged as I read first John five, fourteen, fifteen. It was at Rebecca's and Jonathan's house, and Camille was talking about her book, and I just read this verse. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we have asked of him. And I thought. This is a guarantee. God is making a guarantee. Here, it's written down. He's guaranteeing something to me. That if I pray according to his will, he's going to hear. And if he hears, I'll receive it. There's an assurance there. That we have what we've asked. But there's a single critical condition. There's a single thing that 
that are, must happen, must be in place before our prayers to have to ta- obtain this result. And that is to pray to according to God's will. Whoa. What a challenge that is. How am I supposed to know what God's will is? And yet how powerful that is. I can pray, get this, I can pray in the same will of the one who created the heavens and the earth, who made me, who formed me. I can pray in his will. If I could pray in the will of the Father, then why would I want to pray in anyone else's will? Why why would you want to do that if you can pray the will of the Father? So I'll look for more verses about God answering prayers. And I found several others. And they were all based on a single condition. But the conditions were different. Oh. (laughs) I better pay more attention. Jesus says in John 12, 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Does that sound like a guarantee? An assurance? And it's not just anybody saying this. These, these are Jesus' words. But then over in John fifteen seven, he offers another condition. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. So we've heard, if I pray according to his will, he'll hear and provide. If I pray and ask in his name, he will do it. And here he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, I will do it. They're all the same. We're getting to that point. <laughs> You're jumping ahead of me. <laughs> And then in Mark eleven four twenty four, he gives a fourth condition. He says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. The condition there is believing. Four different conditions. Yet all assuring us that our prayers will be answered. Do you think, or don't you think, let me say it the way, don't you think it's inconceivable that Jesus was trying to confuse us on the matter of prayer. He was out to disrupt our line of thinking to make us wonder and bewildered. Or maybe you think he was trying to show us how boring prayer was. No need to pray. It's just boring. Or do you think he was trying to... He wanted the act of prayer to be frustrating to us so that we would be disappointed when we pray and we lose interest in it. Do you think... That's inconceivable that Jesus was trying to bring that about. And yet we struggle with prayer as a people. We don't relate to God in prayer. Of course, he was not trying to do those things. In fact, it's, it's highly probable. I pick more word carefully there. Highly probable that Jesus gave these four guarantees precisely so that our faith would grow and our prayers would be answered. I mean, think about it. You're the creator of the universe and you're, t- you're telling your disciples, 
you're teaching them about prayer right before you're going to be crucified, and they're going to see their hope destroyed, and yet you're, you've given this instruction about prayer. And you say, I pray according to my will. You say, ask in my name. You say, abide in me in my word. You say, believe, and it will happen. Jesus gave us these four guarantees precisely so that we would have courage and faith in prayer. But more than that, although all these these separate conditions seem to be different, they all lead to the same result. And basically, at the heart, they are the same thing. In some critical way, ask in his name, abide in him and his word, believe in him, and pray according to his will must be equivalent or comparable to assure that God has agreed to answer and respond to prayer. Now, Jesus knew more about prayer and prayed more than any other man. He was an excellent source about this gift from God to, of how to be, related, be in relationship with God. Jesus never neglected prayer, especially during this last week on earth before he was crucified. Even today, Jesus is praying for us. And he calls us to know him through prayer. He gave us his spirit so we could possess faith to believe his great promises and receive his provisions and live in a joy-filled fellowship with him and fulfill his call on our lives. He tells us that we are to pray according to his will and in his name we are to ask for what is needed to complete the mission he gave us. Now I want to read that scripture again from 1 John 5. Listen, Listen carefully. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. This is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests we have asked of him. This is a, there's a confidence here. Right? But again, the key thing is pray according to his will. Now, John, when he wrote this in 1 John 5, he remembered the night in the upper room when Jesus said the following verse to him. I mean, John was there. He heard Jesus say these words. John 16, 23 and 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now to pray in Jesus' name means to pray like Jesus prayed to the Father. It's not, to, it's not some sort of magic that makes Jesus grant our wish. It's to ask the Father just like Jesus asked the Father. For when Jesus always asked the Father, he asked according to the will of the Father. Jesus doesn't promise frustration. But he promises that we will receive. And secondly, he adds that that our joy be made full. So that prayer becomes a great anticipation of of joy. Because we trust God's going to answer prayer. Are your prayers like this? Do you pray with great joy? That God's going to answer this prayer? Because you're praying according to the will of God? God is redeeming people, his people, and establishing his kingdom for the glory of his son, Jesus. And he's accomplishing this 
to an amazing degree by using people, all kinds of people. This is why most people meet Jesus through the ministry of Christians who show them Jesus' love and tell them how Jesus has changed their lives. This is why most mature believers have grown through the work of others who inspired and motivated and coached them. When Jesus made this promise, he had just prior shared that the Spirit would come to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment and that the Spirit would teach them more. Now he wants them to ask God for everything in his name, just like he did. And he promises that they will receive everything for the completion of their joy. So to pray in his name is to pray according to his will for his fame and not ours. Fame, you pray for the fame of the one who is worthy, not your own fame. As you are watching this, I'm sure your thoughts were going to God, whatever you want. And that's what he wants our prayers to be like. God, whatever you want. We pray for his sovereign wisdom. We pray thanking him for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray asking for strength to do the works he has prepared for us. Even in Peru. Or next door. Or in China. Or in Russia. Wherever God would have us. We pray thanking him for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray asking him for strength to do the work he had given us. Let the goal of every one of our prayers be for his fame, his worth, and his glory. So how do you pray according to the will of God? That's the condition. Well, I don't want to oversimplify it. But I want to give you three dynamic and interrelated principles. First principle is going to be entrusting ourselves to God's loving authority. We trust God that he's the right authority over us. Second one is going to be praying in line with God's word. Um, according to God's priorities. The third one is going to be being led by God's spirit. So the first one, entrust yourself to God's loving authority. The first way to pray according to God's will is to adopt a heart attitude of trusting God. That is, we yield ourselves to God's loving authority. We say, God, you are right, and you, we are, and you are good, and you, and you, can, you lead us. We humble, humbly put ourselves under God as our rightful leader. And we choose to trust that His will is right and good, even if we don't know what it is. And we align our hearts to follow him. While it is true that our purposes and our hopes and our cries of despair, you can read the Psalms, are often fueled and proclaimed through prayer, the primary role of prayer is for us to experience God and further his kingdom on the earth. Prayer is not a device for our imposing our will on God or assigning him tasks or bending his will to conform with ours. Prayer is God's way for us to draw close to him, to rejoice in his wisdom, call for his work to be done, and to align ourselves to do and accomplish his will. And let us also realize that while prayer is first and fundamentally for the purpose of glorifying God, it's not for his benefit, it's for ours. Prayer is for our benefit. When we pray according to his will, not our own, think about this, when we pray according to his will and not our own, 
we enter more fully into the master-servant relationship for which He designed us. He designed us for this. He's God and we're not. Every, so every true prayer is a variation on the theme, your will be done. Even Jesus prayed in the garden, may your will be done. He submitted himself to the loving, godly authority above him for the glory of God. So by the grace of God, let us submit our will to his will. This is the first step of praying according to God's will. As we do, we will see prayer come alive. You'll see it come alive. Deep in the fallen human heart lay many snares. Suspicion that God is not good. Do you ever think that God is not good? Suspicion that God doesn't care. Do you ever think God doesn't care? Belief that we know best how to run our lives. That we know what we need right now better than God does. There's also a, uh, a snare that says, uh, well, I'll just use God to advance my plans. You know, I've got a plan to do this and this and this, and I'll call on God to make it happen. From these snares spring much carnal self-seeking and unrighteous prayers. Those who pray with this kind of attitude, even if they're asking for good things, Rarely receive what they ask. What they ask, for why would God grant requests that flow out of desire to live apart from Him? If prayer is for relationship, why would God grant requests to prayers that are designed to pull us away from Him? He is the one that's worthy. So, for most of us, the first prayer we ever pray with the right attitude sounds like this: "Jesus, please forgive me." For my rebellion. And come lead me as you will. It's hard to humble yourself. But God certainly answers. A humble prayer. Ask yourself. Do you regularly present yourself to God. As ready to follow and do his will. You say God I'm ready to follow you. Every day. Maybe that's the first prayer you say. God I'm ready to follow you today. Secondly. When you ask for God for guidance. Are you willing to obey his will. Before you know what it is? Or do you just consult him before making your final decision? And when you want something, are you willing to say, but if you don't want me to have this, I trust you. Likewise, when you want suffering to go away, are you willing to say, like Jesus did, not what I want, but what you want? Certainly we can share our needs with God in prayer, but let's not demand what we want or think we need. We should ask God what he wants for us. Second way I want to mention is focusing on God's priorities. And it's really helpful to pray the scriptures. Focus on God's priorities. As we trust God's authority over us, we then need to realize that praying according to God's will means focusing on his priorities. What God says is important. What God puts foremost. God, the Bible gives many examples, both of God's will and things that aren't God's will. But in the scriptures, we learn what is important to God. So the more your mind is soaked thoroughly in God's word, the more you will pray for what pleases him. Per his priorities. 
And the more you will see God answer your prayers. If you don't know God's priorities, you will probably only pray for your priorities, which for most people center around things going well, living in good circumstances, people treating them well, getting relief from pain or irritating or, or other situations, what's generally called health, wealth, and good fortune. A lot of prayers are health, wealth, and good fortune. And, you know, it's okay, but it's not necessarily God's best and highest will at the time. If this sort of thinking dominates your prayers, I'd suggest that over time your zeal for prayer will weaken because God is probably somewhere else accomplishing His will. Instead, why not pray like this? God, help me understand Scripture better. God, would you help me understand the Word? Psalm 119, 33 and 34. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Yes. You think God, help me understand the scripture better? You think God is going to say no to that prayer? Second one. God, give me a better comprehension of all that you have given me in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 say, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God loves to answer that prayer. Or this one, God, give me a help me have a greater love for people. First Thessalonians three twelve. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. And more discernment in that love in Philippians 1.9. It is my prayer, this is Paul, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Or this one. God, lead me to opportunities where I can share with others and for courage and wisdom not to shrink back from people in fear. Colossians 4.3 says, Pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ. Here's another prayer you can offer. God please expose all my sinful attitudes. That hurt not only me. But hurt others. And dishonor you. Psalm 139. 23 and 24 say. Search me O God and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. I've got one more. God, give me wisdom to understand what you want me to teach me through suffering. All the suffering that you allow. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. This is why it's so helpful to combine prayer with regular reading through the Bible. The Bible informs you over and over again of God's priorities, what's important to Him. Praying according to the will of God. The third measure I want to share with you is asking God's Spirit to help you. Praying with God's according to God's will involves asking Him to help you. This may be the most subjective part of prayer because it can easily be abused. Like anyone who says, God led me to pray for a new spouse. You know, that can be abused. Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) 
But it is a key truth nonetheless. We need to ask God to help us in prayer. Jude 1.20 says, But you, dear friends, build must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Romans 8.26-27. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for believers in harmony with God's own will. When you pray according to the will of God, you are praying in harmony with how the Spirit prays and intercedes for you. Why would you want to pray a different way than that? Why would you want to introduce some sort of false doctrine or un, ungodly tr- thought into your prayer life? Why would we want to make prayer selfish and self-centered when the glory of God is available for those who pray according to His will? Since we don't know always how to pray, God's Spirit helps us by interceding for us. How does He do it? According to God's will. As we entrust ourselves to God's love and authority. As we pray according to the priorities revealed in his word. The spirit will guide us to pray more specifically for the things he desires. That's why it's important to remember. Everything that God seems to urge you to pray for. God brings something to your mind. Julie was telling me about this guy that she had was in her dream and. She thought she should pray for him. Well, we've we got to trust that God is, the Spirit is urging her to pray for that. Focus your prayers on these things and respond to his guidance. And this is one reason why praying with other Christians is so important. Matthew 18, 19 to 20, all of you know it. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. When we pray together in his name, that is submitted to his will, in line with his priorities, Jesus is present by his spirit, we've just read, to guide us so that we agree on how to pray for specific matters. We can better discern the spirit's guidance when we pray with others than we can pray alone, typically. I see this happen on our Wednesday night prayer meetings. Someone will pray in faith for a person or a situation in a certain way. Then another will pray about the same thing, but from a different God-honoring perspective. As we pray together about other matters, our prayers become more specific, and there is a growing agreement about God's will. And when the Spirit gives you great freedom in prayer, because you know it is according to His will, that's the time <coughs> pedal down. You, you go as hard as you can go to pray. You fully engage with God by faith. I felt that a little bit praying for your book, Camille, that night. Oh, I'm going to to pray God's will for Camille's book? Suddenly, all the doors opened up. And you just... And the prayer just kind of takes... It takes on God's power. I don't know. It takes on God's power. When God's glory is at stake, 
you can really bear down in prayer on whatever situation is before you. So there you have it. Ask in His name as Jesus would ask. Abide in Him and in His Word. Let the Scriptures change your way of thinking and praying. Believe in Him. Thank God for the faith to trust Him. To acknowledge that He is the rightful leader according to His priorities and pray according to His will. That He's the, he's the one in charge. His authority is the one that we willfully and joyfully submit to. We focus on His priorities, what the Word says, and ask the Spirit for help. Now, P.S. There's a certain apprehension for anyone who preaches about prayer and seeks up to lift up a standard for prayer. Why? Because prayer is so personal and it's so intimate and it's and it's faith in action and it's really not for public display except in group situations. After today, you may think that I'm not able to walk the walk of what I've just said. And honestly, maybe I'm not able to. But church, this is not my standard for prayer. These are not my guarantees. This is God's standard for prayer. It's His standard. I'm convinced this is what Jesus had in mind when He spoke these promises just before He was crucified and returned to heaven. He wanted His disciples to know how dear they were to Him and how dear the relationship established through prayer was to Him. Now, this isn't my standard. And I may not be able to keep it, but I wanted to share you this morning what I believe is God's standard for prayer. He wants us to fellowship with Him while He is in heaven and while still we're still on earth. When we're in heaven with Him, we won't be praying to Him. We'll see Him face to face. But as long as we're on the earth, we have this gift of prayer. So church, would you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord, it's we've all had our moments in prayer where we felt like from our mouth to your ears was a direct line. And other times where we felt just the opposite. Lord, let us consider these conditions. And Lord, there's there's probably more conditions. But Lord, let us consider these because these conditions have with them attached that if we would pray according to this, and it's a changed life, Lord, it's a humbled life, it's a life yielded to you, that you would answer our prayers, you would hear. Lord, let let us always pray in your name and not our own. Lord, let us abide in you. Let us experience you. Let us know that you are worthy. Let us rejoice, Lord, in this. And let Lord, let us abide in your word. And may your word reveal your priorities and your, and your will to us. 
that we might pray according to your will. That Jesus be glorified. That your people be saved. That the lost come to Jesus Christ. Lord, that we live in harmony with peace and love for our neighbor. Lord, that we go the extra mile. That we turn the other cheek. Lord, that we pursue righteousness with all of our heart. And Lord, let us trust that your authority over us is good and right and fulfilling and satisfying. And let us, Lord, focus on your priorities, what you deem important. Lord, let us love what you love and hate what you hate. And Lord, let us always ask you by your Holy Spirit to help us pray. Thank you, Lord God. And now, church, I'm just going to invite you to silently offer up a prayer response to God. If you would. Jason, do you have another song? Father, we pray that you would change our prayer life. Continually, Lord, every day, Lord, let us walk closer with you and let us pray, Father, according to your will and your goodness in our lives. Lord, we bless your name. Teach us your ways, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name.